0: Welcome to The Truants, a podcast providing bite-sized insight into creative scenes and the culture that surrounds them. We'll take you on an unpredictable ride as you're thrown into conversations with a range of people from unique creative scenes, each with their own stories to tell. I'm your host, Lenny, and in this episode, I am joined by co-founder of Imagine Insights, Mr. Jay Richards. We had such a brilliant chinwag that took turns I wasn't expecting, and I'm so grateful for how open and honest Jay was with me. We chatted about rejection, humility, mental health, and startup culture, all the way through to Generation Z and the Metaverse. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Can you tell us the first thing you remember falling in love with and the impact that's had on you later in life?
1: Football, man, 100%. Like, football was like the first thing that I ever. I, I think I fell in love with it because I was good at it. Do you know what I mean? Obviously, I'm a baller. But <laughs> um, football was the first thing I fell in love with. And I was like, I remember just being at school and just being like the first time touching a ball when I was young, young, Mm. and just being able to, oh, actually I can, I can make this do what I want it to do type thing, which was cool. And um, my parents started taking me to trials or whatever. And I think for me, that was the, wow, I really, really love this. And what that actually taught me, because basically I ended up uh, um, playing uh, semi-pro and then almost going pro, typical football story. That injured my knee. (laughs) I would've been been playing for Tottenham if it wasn't. No, but um, I ended up having trials or whatever. um, Started playing at Russian and Diamonds, they were like Division Two, so I was like, I'm the guy, bro, bro. But I hadn't I had no humility. So I was always like I went so I got signed to I got signed to various clubs, got dropped by various clubs, but then Russian Diamonds signed me, put me on a long-term contract. So at 16 I would have started earnings. So I'm like 15 years old, da, 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 da. And at the same time, a couple of my boys were playing at like Leicester. So one of my boys was at Leicester, he's now at Palace. Um he won he won the Prem and all that kind of stuff. But we were young, we were all around at the same time. Hmm. So he was mad humble, like was just like, yeah, man, I just playing football. Da, da, da. Like you kick a ball at him and he wouldn't touch it. He like refused to play football with us, whatever. And I was like, nah, I'm a baller. Blah blah blah, just mad arrogant. And um, and I think the life lesson that I learned from that is because so basically I was playing, um, I was doing football, all that kind of stuff. Um, got injured and they dropped me like that. They just, literally they were just like, yeah, your career's over, you're done. They were like, you've you've got no cartilage left. Your bones just rub together now, so you're useless to us. They just dropped me. And I remember thinking all of my friends went back into school, they're like, all right, Diamond J. Like, what happened? What happened to the Russian <laughs> Just no, they just went in on me. And I was like, fair, you know Missed what? I was, I, yeah, exactly. I was like, I was like I'm, a, I'm a bit of a prick. Um, yada, yada, yada. But what it taught me was that you have to, in anything, you always need humility. I was 15, 16 years old, do you know what I mean? Like, it's, and I was getting paid a lot of money at that age. But I just think it was, the arrogance was, and I always said this to my son, so my son's 14, professional baller, basketballer, and I was, was on his way to become... And I always speak speak to him about humility. I'm like, doesn't matter. Always be the most humble person in the room. Always be asking how everyone else is doing. And I think that life lesson for me was just, hey, like, doesn't matter where you're going. Doesn't matter what you're doing. Always just be kind. Always be the always be the nice person. Nobody really gives a shit. Just chill. Like, it's not that deep. Nobody cares about you. Just live your life. Be a nice person, and it's all good. And I think that lesson around humility. Yeah. Now I just carry into everything I do. Just being able to just just be able to love on other people and just and just do that. And I think it, that's a, something that I took from such a young age, and now it's just enabled um, enable me to, to, to do what I'm doing and, and, and be who I am, I would say.
0: So then what was that journey like from the day you found out, oh no, okay, I'm not gonna be a baller. This is yeah. this is not my destiny. Yeah. What was the journey like from that to kind of where you are now and what did you have to go through? One thing you mentioned earlier was the ball was something you really enjoyed because you were able to control it. And I feel like that's probably something that's been part of everything you've done since since then.
1: Yeah, yeah, such a good question. I think the the, the, the challenge was it was a knock on my mental health and obviously at 15 16 years old you don't realize it's you meant but I literally couldn't I couldn't focus on anything I was like I do because all my entire all my entire football career everyone was like yeah you're going pro like everybody was you're going pro you're going pro you're going pro so in my mind that's all I was good at so then when I stopped playing football and I got dropped like 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 um yesterday's newspaper I was like oh okay like who am I?" Like what am I? What am I here to do? Type thing, and I think I had, I had a crisis of, of 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 self crisis of um, of humanity for for an extended period of time. Maybe mm-hmm. till I was about twenty three, twenty four. I actually started coming into myself. So when I went to university, I was just blowing out, partying that like, crazy, doing whatever, typical uni stuff, but doing it to the nth degree because I was I don't know who I am, like. I, I didn't try to figure myself out, but the good thing was about university, I began to discover I was good at, as you probably could tell from the podcast, I'm, I was good at nattering, good at talking. <laughs> so like, um, I'd be at university and my, and my um, I'd always make friends with the international students because they loved to work hard, but hated doing the presentations. So they wanted to do all the work behind the scenes, but they didn't want to be the ones to present because their English wasn't that great. And I hated doing the work behind the scenes, but didn't mind presenting. So we had this like, um, this like symbiotic relationship yeah. where I could be like, All right, cool. You do all the you do all the hard graph like all the Chinese and Indian students. I was like, you do the hard graph behind the scenes and I'll present it to the to the thing. I remember doing presentations on globalization and not having a clue what I was talking about, but I knew I had to present it. And I think that's what that enabled me to do. Enabled me, you're not going to be a footballer, but it enabled me to go, actually, you, you're good at something else. And then yeah. I figured that out maybe 18, 19, 20 years old, but really it was like 22, 23 when I started to try and go, okay, how do I hone my craft in sales and just be very, very like shit hot at that? Yeah. Um, And I think that that was that was then onwards going from there. And like you're saying with the control thing, it was very much, okay, cool. Um, I can't control everything. Um, But what I can control, I will control. I'm just being very good at compartmentalizing things and making sure, okay, if I I can control this, let's do my best in that, and then leaving the rest up to universe, God, whatever he wants to say, um, and trusting somebody else with the stuff that I can't control.
0: It feels like you went to uni as a mature student, but at the normal age of 18, because you'd already had your attempt at career number one. You got the injury, the setback. So you're going there with this experience that not many people of that age have, You were analysing the people, the groups around you to, you know, see where you could add value and who could add value to you. I know speaking from my own experience, that kind of thought was the last thing on my mind when I first went. Is that something you noticed you were doing at the time or is it easier to look back in hindsight?
1: I think and it's, it's, it's so funny that you pointed it out because I don't think other than you I've been on other podcasts mentioned that and no one's ever said anything like that so it's actually just you pointed that out um, it's quite intuitive that you've done that but I think um, I didn't realise until I went to therapy that's what I was doing do you know what I mean mm. so I went to therapy like when maybe like two or three years ago I still go to the therapist now but um. And then my therapist, she was like, "Oh, hey, do you realize that's what you were doing? And you were pinpointing that." And I think that it's just an immigrant mindset. Like I'm a son of immigrants, and they've come to the country and just grafted, and they try multiple things trying to figure out what they're good at because they, because in the, they're coming from a country where they might have had qualifications, or whatever, and they come to the UK. And it's kind of like the qualifications don't match up or whatever, whatever. And my parents landed here and just grafted, and I think. Um, they figured out very quickly what they were good at. They just then honed their craft in that and just perfected that. Mm. And that's a prime now they're retired and living their best lives because they were able to do that. And I think for me, coming from that background, I was like, all right, cool, football's flopped, so what's next? But it did take a it did take a period of time, but I think once it once it clicked, you were able then to to, to go from there, man. But it's a good point, dude. So
0: fast forward to today, co founder of Imagine Insights. Can you tell us what it's all about?
1: So to give everyone an overview of who we are, so yeah. bottom line is our mission is to help Gen Z to shape their future. Best way for, for, for us to do that is with brands, because brands are shaping countries and culture like governments only wish they could do. So we enable brands to crowdsource qualitative or quantitative insight from our community of 4,500 Gen Z from all around the world within 72 hours. That's, that's, the, that's the overview quickly.
0: So Generation Z, that's your thing. You know, that's where you hang your hat. For those of us that don't know what that means, what 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 is it, and also what does it mean to you? I know there's there's a lot of stuff out there.
1: Yeah, man. So I think from like a from a base like statistics perspective, who are Gen Z? So the youngest are eight or nine years old. The oldest are twenty six. So it varies. Depends who you ask. If you ask the Americans, it's different age practice. Yeah. If you ask the Australians, it's different age. But really, that that's like the common the common consensus: eight to tw- eight to twenty six, pretty much. Um, they're like thirty three percent of the global population, or something mad like that. Wow. They're spending power by twenty four is going to be like 4.4 trillion like it's they're huge they're like an absolutely massive generation um, and for them the, the main thing that really like I would say defines them because the rest of the stuff that people say defines Gen Z doesn't really because you can have a Gen Z mindset and be like 73 so it's not like a it's not like a, it's. I, I wouldn't it's not a hard and fast way of looking at it but um, one of the main things I would say is that they're digital natives so they truly grew up in a digital generation I know we're going to speak about the metaverse a little bit later but they, they truly grew up in that. So for them, the way they look at the world is truly global. Like with millennials, we began to do that. We began to go, oh, okay, I've got friends in. It was still, Facebook was my friends though. It wasn't really- back in school. Yeah, yeah. Do you <laughs> know what I mean? Like Myspace was still my friends. Pen Pals yeah. was still my friends. Like, I was starting to see the world a little bit more globally, but it was still my friends. With Gen Z have come into the world where it was like, oh, I'm making friends with people in these other countries. They're not my friends that have moved there. I'm just making friends right from the go. So That's why things like Discord, Reddit, and um, Network, all these different platforms are amazing, like um the, the rise of NFTs and all that kind of stuff. It's showing them that hey, it's a global community that you're part of. So things that affect folks in Australia, so like the what's going on in Afghanistan right now, what's happening in Australia with the with the fires, what's happening in Greece and Turkey, that affects me because I'm part of the global community. So the way they look at the world is, is different and I think it's beautiful. And what that means to me is it challenges me. Cause then I go, okay, how can I look, look at the world more globally and how can I bring more people into our community? So we've got 50, we're in 57 countries, four and a half thousand people in our community, which is really, really cool. But um, but yeah, man, that's how I see them.
0: How did you go about building that community? Because as you mentioned, you know, we're both millennials. We're not, you know, we're not Gen Zers. The
1: thing is no one ever, no one ever clocks that. I feel like everyone's always like, yeah, Gen Z, Gen Z. But no one ever asked me actually, how old are you? Um, so I'm 31 bro, so I'm old, like you. Um, <laughs> and, Rub it in. And um, so how did I go about building the community? So initially really it was just through, so our initial quote unquote community. So I remember selling into our first client which was the NFL and I was like, oh, we've got a global community. And I literally had like 150 kids from the local schools East London like it wasn't global um, but I sold them a vision and they were like okay I, we get what you're trying to do and and, and, and and we're keen for that so what we began to do is just reaching out to schools universities um, job boards wherever we could find Gen Z but then not just saying hey just join our community but just selling them a vision like this is what we're trying to build we're trying to create a community where you can it's not just answer some questions and provide some insight it's actually you get to converse with the rest of the community so we built a part of our platform where our community just talks to each other. So whether it's talking about dark chocolate or the Olympics or the fires in Greece, whatever it may be, they get to just talk about that within the community. They don't talk every day, but they do. They're they're, they're conversating, Mm. they're DMing each other and just whatever. And the best thing about all of it is on the community side of things, they can stay anonymous. So we have all of their data with regards to them providing insights, but then on the community chat side, it's all anonymous. So they can just be themselves, be comfortable and not have to worry people are going to know who I am and, and, and so on and so on. So I think, Initially, it was very just like manual, reaching out, finding people. And what's happened now is anytime we do a brief with the clients, so we did a brief for a US client recently where we um, provided some insights for them um, last week. And um, what we find is once a community member provides insight and they get paid, they then normally introduce three to five people to the community because they go, Oh, like shit, this stuff is mm. real. Like, I can get paid and this is legit. And then they start introducing their friends because mm. they're going, Hey, I want you to join this. This is legit. They're normally the the um, early adopters. Early adopters, yes. Yeah, so and normally the first mover, the early adopter, they're going, Okay, I'll try this for the rest of you. Actually, it's legit. Everyone come in, which has been beautiful for us because now our community, four and a half thousand, but really, I'd probably say four thousand of them are early adopters. They're the people that mm. came in first and wanted to try it and wanted. To be involved, um, and they're the ones that challenge us, which is great. They're the ones that are like this is shit, that shit, change this. I suggested on it, so we've got a suggestion side of the platform, and they just cuss the shit out of us on a regular basis. And we just go, okay, cool. We'll edit that, we'll change that, we'll, and it'll be a new platform tomorrow when you wake up, type thing. Which is which is which is really really cool.
0: Yeah, you got you got to roll with the punches, right? Yeah, bro. Stress. Yeah. <laughs> so start up life, right? I mean, bro. it's you know, like you said, you started out 150 kids in East London selling <laughs> selling the world the dream, um, and now getting to this point with four with four and a half thousand. What what's that journey been like? As
1: a human being, it's been tough. Um. So I think from a even like complete transparency. Um. Last week Tuesday, I just walked into the office, saw my co founder, just like crying, like I just burst into tears. And she's like, "What's going on?" It's like I don't know. I was like, I'm just so tired right now. And I was just burnt out. And I think the, and the maddest thing is that my co-friend and I were so on top of each other about taking time off and relaxing and not working on weekends. And sometimes you have to sometimes and work evenings or whatever, but we're we're so on it with the mental health side of things that we're constantly like, make sure you take a break. We work 10 to four, like our hours aren't long. Like it's like, it's insane. Um, But I think, the, we just closed our latest round of investment. We just landed some amazing clients. We just hired a whole bunch of new people. We had like loads of new senior people starting um, over the next couple of weeks. And I think it was kind of like, I almost just had like a, it wasn't a it wasn't tears of like um des- despair or whatever. It was actually just like, almost like I was breathing. Like I'd been holding my breath for the I, last like few months. I've been holding my breath in the raise. I've been holding my breath with the hiring. I've been holding my breath with all the clients it all just landed in like a two week period. And I was finally just like, I can exhale. And I think that exhale was in tears. And I was just like, oh my God, like I just need to just slow down. So I went to the beach for the weekend and and, and did that kind of stuff. And I think it's, it's been, and that's just, that's just the game. That's just the way it is. And sometimes I'm like, I just want to fucking sell this thing. Oh, I can't bother. And then other times I'm like, I'm living, this is the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. Literally like, and this will all happen in a day. Like yesterday morning, I woke up, I'm like, I'm a genius. This is sick. Like, this is going so amazing. Like, I get a, a message from a client and they're like, I fucking love this. Oh my God, can't believe you've delivered. Getting messages from the community. Like, this is amazing. Thank you so much. And then by the evening, I was sat down at home and I was just like, I just want to sell this. I just got, I can't handle this. And it's just the way it is. And you have to get used to those peaks and troughs. And I'm blessed because I've got a co-founder that I can talk and um and just natter to and just have have conversations with, which is great. I don't know how I'll be able to do this on my own. Um but yeah, it's 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 a journey. And anybody that says it isn't is lying. And um I'm just, I'm glad that um, I'm grateful for where we are. I'm grateful for what we've been through. So I've been recording a video diary every week since I started. So I've got like 270 videos. I've seen mad a few. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've got this mad video diary. It's like all these different recordings and stuff. And just in the moment when I'm having a thought, I'll just record it. And I think that's quite therapeutic where I'm able to do that. And it was my therapist that encouraged me to do that. And I think it's things like that keep you sane because you remember it's just a moment. Cause then I can go back and watch those videos and be like, I remember when I was panicking because I wasn't getting five grand coming in for this brief and now the numbers are different do you know what I mean and it's kind of you just look back on it and you go I remember when we were clamoring to raise like 20k and now the numbers are different and you just, you're just you just grateful for where the journey's been and you, you take it, you, you're easier on yourself because you know it's just seasons it's n- yeah. nothing lasts forever it's just a season you're just going through this right now and, and I just pray a fuck load bro I just pray a lot
0: so it is part of that therapeutic process putting the videos out into the world and seeing how how people react to
1: them. Actually, I've got two different types of videos. So of those 274, I've probably only shared shared a small number. Um, Those 274 are just on my phone. I call them, I'm a Star Trek fan. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I call them the captain's log because I'm a Star Trek fan. You don't know. She has literally, shout out to to, um, Captain Kirk. (laughs) Um, But, so I've got these videos on my phone, and there's only a short few, like a, a small number of them. I actually go, you know what? I want, I want this to be seen by other people. Most of them are just for me. Like literally, none of my friends have seen them. None of my family have seen okay. them. It's just a, somewhere I can, I can, and I, sometimes I just go right back to the start. And I'm there without a beard. I'm just like still working full time at my last job. Um, it's in like 2018 or something like May 2018 and I'm, I'm just sat there just talking about how hard it is trying to do this trying to do that and then I fast forward to what's happening now that it's, like, it's a completely different thing um, so I think a lot of them really are just for me so I can yeah. just and sometimes I, I probably will not even watch all of them but I think sometimes maybe one day when I'm dead or something somebody can make like a short documentary and put it on some shitty platform that nobody wants to watch it on do you know what I mean like, <laughs> like Rak- Rakuten or something one of those, one of those <laughs> platforms that nobody uses um, but yeah so it's literally okay. one of those things where it's Therapeutic for me, but also sometimes I'll, I'll share them if I think it, I only ever share them if I think they could be helpful to other people. Yeah, because I really share them. People hear them, oh, this is how I feel. Like, people be like, cool, that's great. And that you probably get lots of likes because people feel bad if they don't like it. But other than that, really, it's not going to add value to people's lives. But if something can add value to someone's life, then I'll, then I'll probably share it.
0: Yeah, I respect that. And to be honest, it'd be nice if uh, more people operated in a similar fashion. So now, on to something that admittedly I don't know too much about. The metaverse.
1: So the metaverse is basically the physical world, but digital. So um, it's communities, it's places, places for people to, to converse. And I've got, so Fortnite is a prime example of this. Fortnite is, you go into Fortnite, you create a character. So you're a human being creating a digital character to engage in the metaverse. And I think, a great movie to break this down is Free Guy there's a new movie by Ryan Reynolds out plug to Ryan Reynolds give me, <laughs> give me a shout if you hear this <laughs> me too um, yeah, <laughs> <actually>. um, <laughs> I love that We're like, <laughs> plug 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 plug, plug. Um, Ryan Reynolds released this movie called uh, Free Guy with um, oh what's her name from um, from Killing Eve um, Jodie coma yeah, yeah yeah jD coma and they're both extremely sick in the movie but the movie is basically it's a computer game and she goes into the computer game and uh, and all these different things but the metaverse basically is the the physical world but digital so you can be who you want to be you can do all these different things you can buy you can do whatever and um, and it applies to loads of different places so um Gucci have sold handbags on the Metaverse for like a six dollar handbag which then is resold for like four and a, four and a half thousand dollars like it's crazy like you can and where, where was that sold? Like so, that was so, so that was sold in, I, can't, I think it was Roblox, the game that they sold it in. Okay. So they will sell it in a game. So you go, same as if I'm on Call of Duty, so I play Call of Duty in Battlefield. So I haven't played in a while, but when I get to play, I sit down, I play Call of Duty and somebody will buy, my. I don't buy skins because I'm lazy and I'm just like, my guy looks like this, I don't give a shit. <laughs> but some people will buy skins. So my son will be like, oh, I'm going to spend 20 quid buying this unique skin. 20 quid real money. Real money to 20 quid real money and he'll get, a skin that he'll put on his character and people are like sick your character looks like Travis Scott or whatever it is and that's kind of cool whatever so like Conor McGregor's got a skin on Call of Duty I think so it's those kind of things where you can spend real life money in the game and and brands are starting to clock onto this so Gucci sold handbags and Louis Vuitton have now created a mo- mobile game and all these different bits and pieces the metaverse is the physical world but in digital so you can you can create new things and do whatever and obviously it's, it's scalable because if I sell a $6 handbag on the metaverse, I can create billions of those and it won't cost me anything really because it's on the metaverse. But if I sell a handbag in real life, I've got to create them and so on and so on. So for them, it's like, oh, if we sell it for $6 and it resells for four and a half grand, win, we don't need the four and a half grand, but $6 to a million people is a lot of money.
0: The next step in this, Mm. Because I didn't actually realize that the metaverse included these things that already existed. I'm thinking like you kind of go into a chamber, you know, submerged in water, and then you wake up and you're in the, in this other in this in this other world. Are we already starting to see that in in places?
1: Yeah. So this is it's a start. So there's a place um in I want to say it's in Hackney or Haggerston, and it's like a VR. Um, place and you go in and you're gaming and like you can go in with your friends or whatever and you put on the headset and then like you're running around with guns or whatever so I've actually booked it for a date night in a couple of weeks Um, and it's you go in with your guns or whatever and you're fighting zombies that's why I booked it because I, I love zombies <laughs> um, so it's kind of like that is like what we're in now is at like the beginning stages and in like 50, 60 years time what you'll see is, is people, people will probably spend more time in the metaverse than they do in the real world because you'll be able to I will be able to talk to you so Zoom is a is, is, I know it's it's, it's a terrible example but we didn't think we'd be doing video calls that like we're doing video calls, mm. and the amount of video calls we've done over the last year—that's now becoming the norm. Like people are, like John to book me and I'm like, how can we just jump on a video call? Because I'm like, it's just easier. I don't want to travel across London to Thank come you and for meet. You. My yeah, today, yeah literally, <laughs> I physically came here. But it's one of the, it's one of those things where that's now the digital is now beginning to trump the physical with regards to doing meetings so it's not long before that then moves into the it's already happening in the gaming world where people are just like i've got friends in saudi arabia i've got friends in dubai i've got friends in china that i can talk with on uh, while gaming then the next stage would be well why would i need to go to to this gig when i could just watch the gig online on Fortnite? why would I need to go and see this artist physically when I can, so there'll still be places for that physical stuff 100% because because people love experiences mm. but it's the experiential side of the metaverse that's going to be expounded and I think what you're going to see over the next 10, 15, 20, 60 years is not just Gen Z but all generations, Generation Alpha and everybody after and everybody before, so millennials and older we're all going to be so used to engaging on the metaverse that it's just going to become the norm it's going to be like, oh hey yeah, jump onto this and all of the boys will come together and you will all put on your headsets and you'll jump into your goo in your apartment. And you'll be stuck in your goo and you'll be able to like feel the other person as you're touching them and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be the world's going to change for sure. <laughs> Mind blown,
0: mate. That Zoom reference you you used is really interesting because I've never really seen myself as someone who's going to take to the metaverse naturally. Um, but although it's circumstantial, I now accept that Zoom or Google Meets or whatever, it's a place where I, I, I do a lot of my business. So it's now making me think, will I have to accept that in 20 years' time, the metaverse is where a lot of stuff's going to go down?
1: Yeah, know? 100%. And I think what's going to happen is it's it's only it's always ever incremental changes. It's never... Because it's like the cashless society. Like my mum's a con- massive conspiracy theorist. So she she hates the fact that we don't use cash anymore. But because the way she looks at it is if if the bank could suddenly just go, actually, you know what? I'm just going to switch you off. You yeah. can't access your money. What are you going to do? There's nothing you can do. And I think the moves of the cashless society happened massively over COVID. We've like jumped like 15. And obviously I'm not going to go into it because everybody talks about it on all the podcasts. But <laughs> the jump of like 15 years in the space of a year where it's gone like, wow. Yeah. Like now, I, I can't remember the last time I saw I literally saw a 50 pence coin the other day and I looked at it like, what the fuck is that? Like I literally looked at it and somebody went to give it to me and I was like, I don't want that. Like what do I even do with 50 pence? Like I literally don't know what to do because I was just like, why is it not on my phone? And the funny thing is, is that's the way the world's moving where it's kind of like, it's odd to use cash. When a year and a half ago, two years ago, it would have been like, of course, I use cash. It just yeah. makes sense. Do you know what I mean? But I think in a couple of years' time, it will be, oh, yeah, just meet me. Just meet me on, we won't know what the name is, but just meet me in the metaverse. Just meet me there and we'll, and, I'll, and I'll walk you through the new. Because imagine if you're doing architectural drawings of a building and I'm like, meet me in the metaverse and we can walk through them together. Yeah. That's it's like too, like though. insane, like life changing. Imagine the, you know what I mean, imagine I go to a client I'm like, okay, these are the insights, these are videos. Meet me in the metaverse and we'll watch them together in the metaverse and we can converse in the metaverse watching these videos. Like insane.
0: So to finish things off, can you recommend something that we should read, listen to, or watch that has helped you gain an insight into a culture unfamiliar to your own? Bro, that's
1: insane. Um, so I'm currently reading um, Bob Iger, so he's the CEO of Disney. I'm currently reading his. I don't know if it's all. I think he wrote it himself. Which one's that? Autobiography or biography? You're autobiography. Asking, yeah. um, yeah, autobiography. Yeah, yeah. Auto, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, what is it? Um, so I'm crying, I, I love reading books, and that's a really, really good book because I'm. I'm not really from the corporate world. So I was I worked in the corporate world for a while, but I was working so low down like in on the, on the on the thing that I didn't really get to affect anything. And I think reading that book is seeing how he affects the corporate world from such a senior level and he's just a he's just a very interesting human being. So I think it enables you to see the corporate world in a, in a, through a, through a different lens. So I definitely think that. Um, and then I think if if you're going to do anything just spend some time on Reddit. Like I always encourage people just go onto Reddit and just explore like because there's so much random stuff on there because like tiktok's great all things are great but it's video content and i feel like sometimes which is, which is amazing video content is beautiful but i think with reddit you just get to you get the same kind of stuff but you, you get to hear the way people think more nobody's really trying to put on a show on reddit because it's more just a chat that like you're just chatting and i think it's a great place to to do that um, and then completely separate probably nobody ever uses it anymore but quora so Q U. O-R-A. It's like a question platform. Yeah. But it's so <laughs> random, but I love it. Literally, I get mail, I get um, newsletters from them, but the most random shit. But it's like topics I would never even consider looking into. Um, and it's great. That's why I like. I like being spammed with stuff like that that is completely out of my realm of realm of reality. And I can just go, wait, like the other day I was learning about like toilet brushes or something and it was just like (laughs) mad random they were just like just talking about the most random shit but I think stuff like that is good because it's expansive
0: I hope all of you were inspired by that as much as I was I'll finish things up by saying another huge thank you to Jay for taking the time to come in and see me and share his story with all of us as always I'll leave some links in the description to the recommendations he made Until next time.